a little bit of a disclaimer. You're not supposed to give disclaimers when you start a, when you start a message. But uh, today's message is actually a little bit less of a sermon and more a little bit you could think of it like a state of the union. Um, we're, kind of, we're kind of in between um, message series. We're getting ready for the fall, getting ready for the big fall kickoff. And so I, I thought it would be, be good to just spend some time just chatting about um, kind of what's on my heart where I see things going, and give you some insight into some of the planning processes that have been happening uh, this past summer. Um, As you might know, one of the big questions that's been on my heart, especially post-pandemic, is, you know, what's it like? What does it mean to have vibrant ministry be a vibrant church in in a culture that is becoming increasingly secular? Things have moved so, so, so quickly. And, and actually, this past week, we had a kind of a neat opportunity to do some, some thinking about that. Um, so I, I got to share just a bit of what this last week was like. So um, last Thursday, we dropped our daughter, our youngest daughter, Elizabeth, off at Seattle Pacific University. Yeah, so she's doing well. We're super, super proud of her. Uh, and that's been really fun. And that also for us as a family, for, for Anita and I, that, that has us uh, beginning the process of being empty nesters. We love our children. Bye bye. And and but so so we're so we're we're looking forward to having them having them back soon. But we did a little we did a little getaway actually. So we cashed in um, some use them or lose them air miles, and um, we actually did uh, a trip to London. So we spent four nights in in London and just got back a couple days ago, and uh, kind of an unusual time. To be there, um, and I'm not going to bore you with the travel log. Other than this one one piece that was so fascinating to be in the UK right now, um, because see, the the United Kingdom is is. Uh, you can almost imagine the United States. You know, fast forward maybe 10, 15 years in terms of its secularization. It, it, it's a a place where the average person has not heard the gospel. And in England, there are some churches that are doing some really remarkable ministry. So last Sunday morning, uh, a little bit jet-lagged, we had a chance to, to worship at a church called uh, Holy Trinity Brompton. So I'm going to show a, a picture there. So this is, this is me uh, by that. And, and check out that cool Mini Cooper. Just I got it. Props to English cars. Okay, and and then uh, and here's a, a picture of us just just inside. It's an older building, but uh, can we go to the next slide, please? An older building, but just really vibrant ministry happening there. Who has ever heard of the Alpha Program? A few of you, Alpha Program. It comes from there. It comes from there. So here's this older church um, that is is doing some incredibly vibrant ministry. To the next generation. And even in the midst of, of, um, of, of a, an increasingly secular culture, they are, they're, they're making a difference. It's interesting to see how the churches in the UK, how there's a, there's a, there's a tone that we noticed in pretty much every, every, every church we visited, which thankfully was quite a few, that um, there's this general tone of, like, of welcoming the skeptic of welcoming the questions, kind of understanding that people coming into church will have very little understanding of who Jesus is, 
of who God is, of who the Bible is. And so they've really oriented themselves around creating safe environments to explore those questions. Now, um, obviously, we're not trying to duplicate anything that's happening in any other church. Um, so every church needs to figure out its own program and its own methodology. But there's some attitude in there that I'm really compelled with. Because, see, as, as the United States sadly becomes more secular, it is all the more important that local churches are vibrant, are healthy places, not just to gather Christians, but to, but to, to, to be a place of, of honest inquiry for those who have never heard the gospel or never heard it clearly proclaimed. Because, and, and here's, here, if there's one thing we just, I hope we can take away from today, like passing the gospel on to the next generation is a really big deal. A really big deal. And think about it. Like, there is nothing that matters to me more than knowing that my children and one day grandchildren, great-grandchildren, if I get this, I did a funeral for a woman yesterday who had, um, between grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, she had 47. 47. So, uh, Mary Jean Huber, yeah, peace be to her memory. But there's nothing that matters to me more than that. And I imagine as you kind of search your heart and you think of what you long to be your legacy, that, that legacy of faith, whether that's to your biological children or just simply to the people that you influence. I have neighbors that I desperately want to have no Christ. And so figuring out how to be a vibrant church where people can encounter and explore faith and come to Christ is incredibly important. So I've been thinking about that a, a, a whole lot. And so, you know, here at Columbia Grove, there, there's a phrase that has guided us that uh, you, you might have heard it. Some of you are wearing it on your wrists right now. Um, others of you, well, all of you, you drove past it on the way coming in. You've probably heard this phrase, love like Jesus. You heard this one before? Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about what that means, what that means for us, what that means moving forward, what I'm imagining that, that will mean for us, as we, as we, especially as we look at the next year. What's it mean to be a love-like-Jesus church? Now, um, you know, that, that phrase isn't one that just came out of our own creativity. That phrase came out of the, the command that Jesus gave his disciples. Do you know that Jesus actually gave commandments in fact, he put it this way in John 13. Now, he said this a number of different times in the New Testament, but here's the way he put it in John 13, 34. A new command I give you. In other words, you've heard all the other ones, the Ten Commandments, those are great. Remember this one. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another, say it with me, as I have loved you loved you. So must you love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. And that, that tells us some things that are really vital. 
That as we talk about love like Jesus, the love is the definition of love, how we love is, is defined by Jesus. Because let's be honest. You hear the words love like Jesus, just it sounds it can, on its own might sound a little fluffy. Or I had I had a, a, a uh, I think it was a registrar in seminary who talked about some of the spiritual, you know, like the prayer classes, like the frou-frou classes. So I don't know if you're using that phrase, but like it just, it feels maybe a little lightweight right at first, maybe even a little liberal. <gasps> love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Until you actually get to know who Jesus is. Then you realize like love like Jesus is incredibly demanding. No greater love has anyone than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. Or love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. The biblical definition of love is incredibly demanding. There is no harder mission to pursue no higher calling in life than to love like jesus because jesus it shows us what love looks like so our culture tells us love is love Mm -mm. we say jesus is love we say god is love right jesus is the definition of love and his bar is set really high it's not just about about who or what you're attracted to not just about your preferences though your feelings matter and we need to be able to have honest honest conversations about all of those things but the real definition of love is set by jesus a savior who laid down his life can you imagine jesus saying don't tread on me i gotta i gotta poke some i gotta poke some buttons here today love like jesus And what did Jesus do? He laid down his life for humanity. Love like Jesus. So we love like Jesus. Jesus is our definition of love. He's our example of love. He's our model of love. And he shows us how and where to love because love is also directed by Jesus. Who do we love? We love the people that Jesus tells us to love. Starts with one another. That the local church is a place where we encounter love, where, where even, the, even the, 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 the difficulties and the conflicts and the differences are part of what it means to learn how to love. We are, this is a love incubator. And we also were reminded that Jesus consistently reached out to those on the margins. You, you think of maybe the, the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 and, and uh, all these folks are wanting to throw rocks at her, to, to stone her until, in, until, she's, until she's dead. Where's the guy? We don't know. But at the conclusion of the story, after, after Jesus says to the, the people that want to execute this poor woman, so let you who is without sin cast the first stone and, and everybody realizes that they're... They're not sinless, so, that, so they can't throw the first rock. And, and as he's picking the woman up from the ground, he says, he says, go and sin no more. So he exemplifies grace. And, and that, that's not both, both grace and righteousness. Both grace and truth. 
fully and completely embodied in Jesus. Love that is defined by Jesus. Love that is directed by Jesus. Who do we love? We love the people Jesus calls us to love. Starting with one another, but extending to the last, to the lost, to what Matthew 25 would refer to as the least of these. The hungry. The prisoner. So our, our missional motto is love like Jesus. Our actual, like the, our, the full missional statement of the church, um, maybe this one isn't quite as familiar to you, but it's important that we remember this one. The Columbia Grove exists to help people become more like Jesus, or maybe you could even put it to help people love like Jesus, through worship, connection, and service. So these three primary functions of the church. We do three things as a church, as a local church. We do worship services in various forms, in various locations, because we want to invite people to connect with the Lord. We provide opportunities for people to make first-time commitments and rededications to the Lord. Because worship is an incredibly high priority. We worship. Second thing we do is we connect. That's why we do connection groups. You're going to hear more about that in a little bit because we're getting ready to launch a whole bunch of fall groups. They're fantastic. They are life-changing. As you get in community with other Christians, whether that is in a formal group, and we have a number of, like I said, good quality formal groups, or just you find some buddies and you get together and you pray together you talk about what God's doing in your life together you open up the word together you grow in your faith and you grow in your friendships it's absolutely life-changing and third we 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 serve we invite people to discover their gifts and their talents and their call their passion in life and then go do something about it we have a number of serve teams within the church. We'd love to have you volunteer here. But the point isn't, I mean, it's more about that whole lifestyle of service. For some of you, your primary area of service is not going to be inside the church. It's going to be out in the community somewhere. And I, I know enough stories in the congregation to know that you're doing that. I mean, this is, a, this is a congregation of people who are helping in the schools and helping in the libraries. And you're, you're I mean, you're, you're, you're getting out there. You're doing things. We've got incredible teams that are serving in, our, in assisted living homes around the, around the valley. Some of you are soccer coaches. Some of you are referees. You're, you're making a difference in a wide variety of ways. But equipping you, equipping one another, challenging one another to serve, it's a major, major part of, of what we're trying to do here. And, and, and one of the reasons why is it all comes back to, the, to the wanting to, to lead people to Christ. Our, our approach here at Columbia Grove towards evangelism is show-and-tell evangelism. Remember show-and-tell back in like grade one, grade two? Best part of school. For most people... For most people, before, well, to, to coin a, there's, a, there's a, a young life phrase, earn the right to be heard. Earn the right to be heard. 
the way that we earn the right to be heard, the way that we earn the right to tell people that God loves them and that Jesus died on the cross for them and he wants you to give your life to him, to let, to let the Lord be your personal Lord and Savior. The way we, we earn the right to share that message is we let people see the love of Christ in action. They let, we let people see that we are people who have been changed by the love of Jesus, that we honestly care. So we're a show-and-tell congregation. We show, usually in that order, <laughs> we show and then we tell. Both are essential, but we show and tell. That's part of why we serve. The other part is that, is that as we use our gifts, as we use the gifts that God has, has given us, it also helps us grow in our faith, too. Um, those of you that serve on volunteer teams, I imagine you can resonate with that. Like there's, you grow in your faith as you use your gifts. So worship, connect, serve. That's what we're trying to do. Now, one of the things I had the advantage to do uh, this summer, and again, just kudos to our team, to our staff, is I've been able to, to take some times away to, to read more than I have in, in, well, especially in the last couple of years. To get time to just think about, like, you know, where we're going uh, and where I'm, I'm feeling led. And so here's what to look forward to in the next year as we look at, like, kind of the preaching life of the church. And, and you'll see how this actually connects to our core values of worship, connection, and service. There are three things that I'm trying to develop for the congregation in the next year. First is this, biblical depth. We are a church that, that uh, orients around the question, where is it written? So I want you in the Word of God. That's why the Big Fall series that we're doing is just the Book of Mark. What are we doing? We're reading the Book of Mark. And we have a number of groups that their, their whole purpose is just to talk about it. Like, what do you notice in the book of Mark? What stood out to you in your reading this week? Because if we want to love like Jesus, we need to get to know Jesus. And there is no better way to get to know Jesus than to read the stories of Jesus from people who actually knew him. Mark is a great place to start. So developing biblical depth and you know as, especially as you think about you know all the cultural influences around us <laughs> you know um like we're being bombarded with with messages from all different sides and depending what media channels and social media channels and cable news networks you prefer um i mean we're, we're getting a pretty steady stream it's all the more reason why we need to anchor our hearts in the timeless word of God. So if there's, if there's one habit I'm hoping to develop in, in you and in me and in us is that we would be people of the word. That you're in the word of God on a regular basis. That's how we, how we grow as believers. It's where God speaks most clearly to us. It's how we keep our heads straight how we don't just get buffeted by the, by the winds and waves of culture. That we're people of the word. So biblical depth. So um, as you look at the preaching calendar, the fall and into the winter, the, these are, these are going to be preaching series where we're just getting 
just deep into the Word of God. Just, we're just reading it, getting to know it so that we can get to know Jesus through it. Biblical depth, that's the first pillar. Sounds a lot like worship, doesn't it? Second pillar that I'm looking to build in the next year is to, is to grow in emotional and relational health. You know, one of the things that we've discovered coming out of the, the, the pandemic is that uh, isolation is hard on people. And we're seeing, whether it's in the schools or in, or in other aspects of culture, where mental health is, it, it's, it's huge. It is, it's huge. And so it's vitally important that as believers, that we are first and foremost, we're grounded in our identity in Christ. So that you know who you are as a child of God. And from that place, that, that place of a firm grounding in Jesus, it allows us to then engage in healthy ways with the people around us. So we're going to, we're the, the um, kind of winter-spring season of the year. You're going to see sermon series that are looking at issues of emotional and relational health. So in January, we're planning a series on the emotions of Jesus. Then we're planning a series after that on what it means to be part of church life. So that we build healthy relationships. We handle conflict well. We learn how to be honest with ourselves. How to acknowledge our own emotions. How to deal with all the bees in our head at times. Emotional and relational health. That's the second pillar. That sounds a lot like connection, doesn't it? So that we, we turn to Jesus to, build the, to find the tools that we need to build really good relationships with the people around us. God wants you to have a posse. He wants you to have a team. He wants us to build good marriages, have good relationships with our kids, and, to, and especially in the context of the local church, to love one another well. And that's hard. Let's be honest. It's hard. Church life can be hard. Family life can be hard. That's why we turn to Jesus to, to teach us how to love in those environments. Emotional and relational health. The third pillar that you'll hear in the preaching life of, over the next year is things related around what it means to have an outwardly focused life. Sounds a lot like service, doesn't it? So series on like the spiritual gifts, discovering what your, you know, the things that God has uniquely wired you for. You know, taking a look at some of the, some of the cultural issues around us and comparing it to scripture so we can, we can build a good vocabulary to engage in some of the really hard conversations of culture right now, especially around things like human sexuality. So having an outwardly focused life that as we, as we discover who we are in Jesus and we're secure in our identity in Him, that we're able to then pour ourselves into, into the people around us without being depleted in the process. The three all build on one another. Biblical depth that leads to emotional and relational health, that leads to an outwardly focused life. Worship, connect, serve. That, that's, that's what I want you to expect from me in the next year is that 
I'll be on that journey with you. We'll be, we'll be trying to grow in all of those ways together. And, you know, the older I get and the more I get to know myself, the more I realize I have to grow. So I, I hope we can be on that journey together. It also, um, even as I'm thinking about, like, what it means to be uh, raising up leaders in the church, um, you know, the kind of coming out of those, those same definitions of leadership at Columbia Grove as we're growing as leaders, as we're looking to develop leaders, it's we're looking for people who have, have a devotional life, who, have, who are emotionally healthy, so they relate well to the people around them, and then that have the appropriate gifts. But that all three are essential to good Christian leadership. They have their own relationship with Jesus. They treat the people around them well because they're emotionally healthy. And they're appropriately gifted for the, for the team that we're asking them to lead or the task that we're asking them to pursue. So our definition of leadership is affected by that as well. So here's a couple of things that are, um, and, and, uh, and, and Brian talked a little bit about this last week, that um, a couple of uh, very particular initiatives that uh, I'm looking forward to pursuing with you in the next year. Now, um, you know, one of the things we've been doing this summer is, is been really deliberate about listening to the congregation, listening to what are the strengths of the church right now, what are the uh, maybe weaknesses of the church right now, what kind of opportunities are in front of us right now, what kind of threats are in front of us right now. And a couple of big themes came out of that. First and foremost is that the primary strength of the church is the people. We've got amazing people, amazing people. One of the other strengths that was identified there is, is that our mission, our Love Like Jesus mission, is that we're really, you guys are really serious about this. Like, for, for many of you, that's one of the primary reasons why you're here. You're like, I want to be a part of that. Love Like Jesus, it resonates with you. It, it still makes my heart beat faster. I, love Like Jesus. And, and we haven't actually done that much to get the word out about that. So, one of the first initiatives actually came out of an offhanded comment that I made in a sermon, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And I said something about, like, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, more like Love Like Jesus gear, like clothing and stuff? And, and it was just an offhanded comment. It wasn't even my, in my sermon notes. It was just me, you know, sometimes I do that. Um, well, within, within two days, I'd received three phone calls. One of them was from someone with a background in retail. The second was someone... Uh, with a background in, like, in t-shirt manufacturing, and the third was from someone with a background in design. Does that sound like a spirit thing? So I made the really brave leadership decision of I put all three people in the same room and said, figure it out, stepped back, and they came away with this incredible plan. So over the next month, you're going to be seeing um, some really attractively made, and, and you've already maybe been in the process of helping to kind of, uh, what's the question, vet the designs there. Um, so that we're going to find ways to get the Love Like Jesus message out. So um, like Love Like Jesus apparel, can you put up that, where is it, there we go, stuff, hi, yeah, stuff like that, so like, like, T-shirts, hoodies. Um, so it's already been funded. It's already in motion. But look forward to it. We've got an incredible team. That was an entirely a spirit-driven 
thing. God just raised up people, raised up an incredible team. I'm super excited for that. Keep your eyes open. It's coming and it's going to be good. Yeah. The second thing that came out of this is we, we got this, this same listening group. You know, we tried to get as, as diverse a group as we could. So some folks that were newer to the church, some people who have been with the church a long time, some older folks, some folks with young families. And one of the other strengths that was identified here is that we have an incredible property. Like, so we've owned the, the building and the property here for about eight years. We, we bought it back then for uh, just over $2 million. I know that seems like a lot of money, except for this. Can you imagine what it, would, what it would cost to buy it now? This is before real estate in the valley went bazonkers, right? Where nobody can afford to live here anymore. That's another problem we have to tackle together. But, like, so God gave us this incredible facility, this incredible, like 11 acres. We have 11 acres here in a part of the community that is developing quickly. We've got neighbors just up the hill. There, there, there are, and over the next five, 10 years, this is the part of the valley that is looking to develop the most. We're hearing about the, like the Wenatchee landing plans, Right. And, and so the other idea that came out of this process is this, this other, other strength is God has given us this property. Let's creatively look for ways to use that strength to reach and serve our neighborhood. You realize that everything that God has given us, it's just on, it's just on loan, right? This isn't our church. This isn't our land. It's God's church. God's land, that he's entrusted to us. So let's use what we have been given and invested in the mission of God. So they looked at a number of different creative uh, possibilities and um, the, the sort of phase one piece that is being proposed that we're looking to, 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 to develop over the next bit. It's not the only possibility but it's a great starting place. So we're looking to build a community playground here for the community. So in order to make good plans for that, there's already there's some, some things in the works. And is, is Brant Capella in the building? No, he might be not here. But I, but I do have permission to use his name. I checked with him in advance because an un- unauthorized sermon include cost me 20 bucks. That's no fun. And I've got two kids in college, so I'm broke. So anyway, but, but Brant Capel is our leadership team liaison, and he's going to be talking to and inviting people, so especially folks that have young families. So when, as we're talking about a playground, we, we've got people who like, know what a good playground is that reflect the diversity of our valley. So we're not just hearing from one you know, ethnic group, one social group. Also, people who have a background in community projects and some that have a background in building parks. I'm so grateful we had some of those voices involved in the process. Um, so getting, and just using the grand strategy of let's get a diverse group of smart people together in the room, let's pray, and let's let them to build a plan. And so we're looking forward to, in the next year, hearing what this team develops and then getting behind them 
and using this incredible facility and grounds to, to better reach and serve our neighborhood. Why? Because nothing, let me see your eyes, I'm almost done, I promise I'm almost done. Let me see your eyes, nothing, nothing matters more than people meeting Jesus. Nothing. That's why we, we try to give the things that God has entrusted to us, we try to in, reinvest them in the community, in the mission of God. Because God wants lost people found. He wants hurting people helped. And if the God of the universe would go so far out of his way as he would send his son to die in the most horrific way imaginable so that humanity could be redeemed, I'm pretty sure we can find a way to scrap a few bucks together to build a playground or a dog park or a pickleball court or whatever it takes, whatever it takes so that, as, so that the neighborhood around here you know, the, like the northeast, uh, northeast Wenatchee knows that this is a church that when we say we love like Jesus, it starts with them understanding that we love you. We love this neighborhood. We love this valley. And we want to love this neighborhood and this valley to Jesus. We want to live in ways that enables us to earn the right to be heard by our neighbors, by your children, by your grandchildren. Because people need to know Jesus. People need to know Jesus. So that's where I see us going over the next year. That's what you can look forward to. Um, for me, I'm going to do my best to, 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 to embody and fully participate in that mission. I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to, to do myself. And I'm so grateful that God has given us an incredible team here. Our leadership team is, is amazing. We, he, we've got a terrific staff. We are well-positioned. Um, and we've got all of you. <laughs> the gifts, the talents, the resources in this room. So, so what's your next step? What's your next step? So here's what I'd like to invite us to do as we just kind of think about this. And again, apologies, this isn't much of a sermon. We'll get, we'll, we'll get back onto the sermons next week. Um, but as you think about like, where we're going together, as a church. You know, what's the part that makes your heart beat faster? So I just want to invite us to stand. Invite us to stand. If you're able, if you, if you, if, if you can't stand for long, that's okay. But here's what I'd just like to invite us to do. It's just for a moment to kind of put ourselves in a posture of receptivity. Sometimes it's nice to put your hands out in front of you. But whatever, whatever makes sense, if, if you're standing and you just want to hang on to the seat in front of you, I'm kind of jet-lagged today, so I'm gonna, I might hang on to something. But whatever you need to do, and, and just invite us to just have, have about a minute of silence together 
and just seek the Holy Spirit. You know that God has something to say to each and every one of us? It's like, what is your next step? So Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to each of us and to all of us. Show us what it means to love like Jesus. Show us what our part is in a life of worship, in a life of connecting with other Christians, and in a lifelong commitment to service. Show each of us what you'd have us do.